went to it. What are we, 31 or 32? I don't even keep track anymore. I think we're going to keep sticking with it. So I'm just, uh, we're going to do the date. It's January 23rd, 2021. <laughs> there you go. 31 or 32, something like that, whatever the case is. A lot to talk about. You know, usually we have some kind of, um, you know, like it's a game or a preview or a review or specific thing like the coach hire. This is just a mishmash. This is like a potpourri. We got a bunch of different things going on. We could talk about a whole bunch of things. Fake Spike Podcast. What's up, Vort? Excited. Excited to be a Jet fan, and I don't get to say this often, so I'm just I'm ready to jump right in. I got a couple of things that I wanted to get your opinion on, share my opinion, and obviously the first and foremost on my list is the new coach was officially introduced. The press conference, not to take too much, not to read too much into it, but did you have any takeaways uh, from the press conference? I'll leave the offensive and def- defensive coordinators for a little bit let's focus specifically on our new head coach here's the takeaway i did and i even wrote an article on it for the jet press my new thing my takeaway is that he's the new guy in town he's got a quarterback who he has to play nice with right now he has to be gentle he has to say nice things because he doesn't know what direction it's going to go and if for some reason they decide they cannot roll with darnold they have to trade him and you don't want the head coach coming in and saying this guy sucks so he said a lot of nice things about darnold but i didn't see anything First of all, half of the things he said may not be true. I mean, he's tough as nails and he's he's fearless in the pocket. And I, I, I don't see any of that stuff. I think he's just saying really nice things about his quarterback. But the thing that was really telling to me was was when the guy, when, when he was specifically asked, are you going to go with Darnold going forward? He said, it's too early to tell. So that tells me everything I need to know. The Jets are exploring other options. And if they can find an option, they'll go with it. If not, then maybe they stick with Darnold. But he is certainly not earned in in this in this coach's eyes and obviously since we've already talked about the coach being on the same page with the general manager he has not earned it with the general manager's eyes either the other thing i took away is that this guy is for real man i mean he's 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 positive he's clearly a, a true leader uh he's 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 the, he seems to be the real deal and you mentioned the coaches he's hiring guys left and right that that you know i mean i've never seen a guy throw 15 coaches together in two days like that it was just i mean the dude all business I, I i don't even like the expression all gas no breaks it makes no sense to me whatsoever that's reckless but i understand the idea and i and i absolutely love it you know for the first time since the last since the last regime i'm super excited about the jets and i think we're headed in the right direction the press conference left me with a big smile on my face. Uh, unlike you, I actually loved the phrase "all gas, no break" because I took the way I took it. I loved it, and I, obviously, as a fan looking for something positive, I took it the way I wanted to take it. To me, it was just we're there, there's not going to be any time to slack. It's going to be go, go, go from the practice field to the game. He expects intensity. That's the way I took it. There's not going to be any "quote unquote" time to be soft. Let's be on the ball. Let's be aggressive. Uh, let's approach everything at game speed. That's sort of how I took it. Before you continue, there is one line he said that nobody talks about because they're all about the all gas, no brakes thing. And it's the one I love. Let me, let me guess. Let me guess because yeah, I have it written it. down. If, if, yeah, you're this, it. if, you're, if you're identical fans, I know the line you're talking about. <laughs> right, Please tell it, yeah. me it's the one when he said, it's not a business. This is a personal investment in people. No, no, that's not oh. it. That's that's a good one too. The one I absolutely love is "Wake up better than you went to sleep." That I was like, "Wow!" That, I mean, and, I mean, obviously you want to be better than you were yesterday, but to put it in that kind of phrase, I mean, this guy is going to motivate the shit out of players. If if he can motivate a fifty-one-year-old fat couch potato, he can motivate a twenty-five-year-old kid. That's the way I look at it. And so that, that I loved that line. Absolutely loved it. 
And the reason I absolutely fell in love with, he said, it's not a business, this is a personal investment in people, is after the listless idiot who was staring into his play card the whole time and had absolutely zero people skills, it was just so obvious, this guy is realizing that this is about connecting and motivating people, young men that he has to relate to, that he has to get the most out of. This is not about just having a headset and calling plays. I absolutely love that he quickly showed an understanding about it. Um, one thing that, you know what he reminded me of, who he reminded me of? He reminded me of a lot personality-wise, and this is not a great uh, great comparison. It was very similar to Todd Bowles, but with more personality. He was very controlled. He was very serene. He wasn't boisterous like Sorex was coming in. I'm not coming in here to kiss Belichick's rings. We're going to, I guarantee you, a Super Bowl. He was very under control, but it seemed a little more livelier. Uh, Todd Bowles, even though at the time when he was hired, I absolutely loved it. He was just very almost like sleepwalking. So he tried to be so opposite of Rex. It was just so calm. Let me put you to sleep. This guy was like a drill sergeant, direct, stern, confident. but not over the top. Yes, very confident, very. And what told me, what, you just said an interesting phrase that he was hiring coaches left and right. To me, it shows that he had a list of people ready. He was waiting for an opportunity to be a head coach. It seems like he's prepared. He was waiting for this chance. So personality-wise, absolutely stood out. The things that he said, absolutely loved it. Like you, I love the fact that he was non-committal on Sam Darnold without shitting on him. You don't want to completely break the kid in case you do end up with him under center. But he also said, listen, nobody is guaranteed a job. Everybody's going to compete. Everybody's going to earn it. So that's, that's what I took it as. And the last thing that I absolutely loved is he will not be calling the defensive plays. I'm sure he's going to have yes. input on a defensive, uh, uh, like any head coach, he's going to have input, he's going to have ideas, suggestions, but the fact that right away it was made clear, I'm not here to be a defensive coach, I'm here to be a head coach, loved it, loved it, loved it. Oh, I absolutely loved hearing that he's not going to be calling the plays because, yes, you're a coach, you're a head coach. Be involved in the game plan all you want. Be involved as the game goes on and making adjustments if you need to, but you should not be calling the plays. You should be the anti-Adam Gase. And that's the other thing I love about this guy is he's already spoken to everybody on the team, which Adam Gase, in a, in a three-hour football game, sat on the bench by himself or stood there staring at a car. No matter things are good, things are bad, he never spoke to his players. This guy has already either called or texted every single player on the team already i mean that's i, I like i don't want to hey, listen i don't want to get too excited there's still enough dark sider in me that i know that, that the shoe's going to drop somewhere and there's only so many times charlie brown could try and kick the football before he doesn't try and kick it anymore you know but it's 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 exciting this is you know this one feels different which i've also said before but this does feel different it's just you know the gm is is not a moron the, the coach is clearly not a moron. And most of all, one of the things I wrote down, most of all, Chris Johnson actually sat there and said that the hierarchy has changed and they yes. are no longer reporting to him separately. They are now in a more traditional thing where the coach answers to the GM. I almost cried when I heard that. I, I, I mean, I sat there like, oh, my God. I mean, it's like Christmas morning. They're giving us everything we possibly wanted. And you, it's like you can't wait for the rest of the offseason to happen. I can't wait for free agency. I can't wait for the draft. I can't wait for things to start happening. It's like, you know, like get screw the Super Bowl, screw the playoffs. Who cares? <laughs> you know, and, I want to see some I want to see the real shit. And I think you and me look at it the same way. At the end of the day, no matter how happy we are, we are the 
once the season starts, a lot of it is going to speak for itself. It's still about winning games. You can manage people. You can cultivate relationships. You can be the most liked guy in the room. It's about results. It's about winning games. But when you're talking about a new coach coming into a situation that is an absolute dump, and that's what the Jets are right now. We just got rid of arguably one of the worst coaches, if not the worst coach in the history of our franchise. It's, it's a shit show. Not many guys even wanted the job. He came in. He's doing, he's showing, he's saying the right things. He's creating positivity, which is not easy to do in a situation that he's walking into. And as a fan, as a dark sider who you can, who you clearly made one, um, seeing some positives is a good thing. And yes, I, I will be, I will gladly take the few positives out of the press conference to see a coach who I believe in, who I'm happy to get behind. That is a fantastic start to the offseason and to the rebuild project for me. The motivation thing alone, you know, I would love to have a well-disciplined team that doesn't commit penalties, doesn't miss tackles. If you're going to lose, lose because the other team outplayed you or came up with a better game plan or if you made a mistake in coverage, that's one thing. But but the fundamental stuff, I want to see the fundamental stuff. I want to see smart football. There's been so many years of stupid football with with the time clock and I mean anything. I did, the Jets are just never smart about football. They haven't been in years. I mean, maybe the Parcells years was the last time. So I, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. And if this guy can clean that up, then he's, then I'm already a big fan, you know? Aside from the Robert Bold Lebanese thing, I'm all, I would be even a bigger fan if the guy can get the Jets to be an NFL football team that, that minimizes mistakes. That would be amazing. That's what it comes down to. Winning football is not making dumb penalties, protecting the football, not, uh, winning the turnover battle. And like you said, being smart. That's something the Jets clearly lacked under Adam Gase and uh, frankly, under Rex, especially the last couple of years. They were not a smart football team, whether it was an untimely penalty, whether it was horrendous clock management, whether there was terrible decisions, when to go for it, when to punt, when to take the three points. You have to be a smart football team to give yourself a chance to win, to be in the game. And he seems like he understands that and that's uh, he's going to prioritize it. Let me ask you, um, I believe the offensive coordinator that he announced, he's, that's the guy that he's bringing for the 49ers. And if that's the yeah, case, Brian LaFleur. I'm happy because... LaFleur, yeah. LaFleur, yeah, because... Michael it's Ford? not like no. uh, what, what, what's the guy what's the Mike, he's the yeah, brother Michael of the guy on the package yeah Michael for okay who's Brian <laughs> so, so I, I like the fact that the I I really enjoyed the 49ers offense they were not the new age completely aerial out something like uh, the Rams uh, something like the uh, Cardinals are trying to do with their new coaches uh, they put a lot of investment in the running game but they're again they were not they're not the Titans where it's just run 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 but they certainly use the run to open up the pass. I liked the 49ers offense. They um so if that's kind of the idea, I can definitely get behind it. I'm not I understand that not every offense in the NFL is gonna light it up and throw the ball 50 yards a game and be creative and gimmicky. Would have been fun to watch, but I was a fan of the 49ers offense. I can't lie. Uh, I think it was a smart offense. It it was catered to the strength of the team which I already like. You're not trying to put uh, square pegs into round holes. You were working with the talent you had. So uh, again, something positive, something that I liked, something that put a smile on my face. And uh, did you see the picture of the defensive coordinator? I mean, he looks like he means business too. I mean, it's it's like everybody they brought in here has got this angry, mean look on their face. No more no more guys sitting there looking scared or laughing and whatever. They, they mean business, it seems like. And it's just, it's exciting. It's super exciting. I never heard of the guy and I've never heard of any of the other coaches they've hired either, but I, I don't really care at this point. You know, one of the things we talked about 
And I think it was the last one of the regular season where we're going to we're going to keep an open mind. We're not going to sit and get stuck on one guy and get disappointed if we don't get him, whether it's the draft or the or the coach or anything else. And I, I'm just sitting here with an open mind. I, I never heard of Salah, you know, until a couple of weeks before this um, before they hired him. And, and I and I liked him, but I, I never heard of him. So it's not like I got stuck on I got stuck on him out of nowhere. And I don't know any of these coaches either, but that's okay. I don't care because I'm going to have to trust the Jets to do the right thing or they're not going to do the right thing. I can't control it, and I can't sit here and go crazy over it. So the fact that I've never heard of any of these coaches doesn't bother me in the least. Let's just hope they're the right thing. That's a surprise to me because he was actually on a short list of a few teams looking for a head coach last season, and that's when I got to know him and uh, heard a lot a lot of positive reviews from him. That's why, and it was a mild surprise, not a big surprise, it was a mild surprise that he didn't get a coaching gig last season, but people said he just needed another year of of being an assistant to kind of just another year of experience under his belt. But he was on my my radar from last offseason, the fact that he was so highly regarded and almost landed a head coaching job. So that's why my excitement is through the roof when this is the guy that ended up uh, falling to the Jets. And as far as the assistants, I'm with you. I'm just glad that it's not some recycled old names just because I haven't heard of them. Yep. Yep, exactly. That means nothing to me. Phillips. So so I'm, uh, if nothing, I I can even say I'm a little excited. I, I am excited. Some new blood, some new ideas. Let's see what they got. I am 100% with you on that one. And like I said five minutes ago, I am super psyched for the rest of the offseason. I just want the Super Bowl to be over so we can start talking about this other stuff now. You know, just get it over with. Let me lose my bets and we, and we move on. Absolutely, because the uh, the offseason got off to a great start. Now let's see what the Jets are going to do as far as retooling and free agency, the draft. This This is just fun. I'm already excited about next season, which is more than I can say going into this season under Gase. So well, uh, that's already We're still Jet fans, man. We're still more excited about the offseason than we are the regular season. But if the offseason goes as well as, as, it, as it seems like it's going, then yes, I will be super excited for the season. But now speaking of the offseason and, and moves and maybe next season, there is crazy rumors and stuff flying around about Deshaun Watson. I don't know if we touched on this the other night. I don't think we did. But Deshaun Watson apparently put the Jets at the head of the list of places he wants to go, which... Listen, I, I, you know, I, I've been thinking about, you know, these draft picks and and this, 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 that, the other thing. The Jets have plenty of draft picks, and they will find a way to work around the salary cap. I say you go get the guy. You that you never. When was the last time there was an opportunity to get a, a guy that young who was a superstar, great quarterback? In, in the NFL that, that where a team was able to trade for the guy. I cannot remember a single time a guy like that became available. Maybe when they were a little bit older, you know, ended a career in the 30s kind of thing. But at 25, where he hasn't even reached his peak yet, I don't remember the last time that happened. And I will I will find a way to make the cap work. I know that kind of goes against what we've talked about, but we're not talking about Kirk Cousins three years ago. We're talking about a guy here who is clearly a top five, possibly top three quarterback. So I am all for going to get him within reason. I'm not giving up. I'm not doing a, a, a Ricky Williams trade, but I am all for going to get this guy if, if he wants to come here. And if he wants to come here, he's got a no trade clause. There's a possibility the Jets may be able to get him for a little bit less because they have the leverage. So, I mean, by all means, go get the guy. That's the way I look at it. We're talking about the premier cream of the crop, true franchise quarterback. Saying that, I will say this. I have never been so conflicted and divided in my life. Usually I commit I commit to a decision and I'm like, and I'll give you my reasons and I'll go with that reason. Robbo, 
I am so I am literally 50-50 on this because part of me, the 50-50 that's for Watson is exactly what you just said. This is a franchise quarterback. This is the guy who checks off all the tangibles and all the intangibles. He's got it all. He's supposed to be a model citizen of the field. He, everything you want in your franchise quarterback. He checks every single goddamn box. And I'm like, of course, at his age, sign him. And on top of that, he's actually crazy enough to say he he put the Jets as his prime choice. So obviously, I want him. The other thing that I'm, uh, the dark side of me here is what I'm saying. This season, if you look at his stats, his stats were off the charts. Incredible season by all accounts. And when you put it into context, it's even better, but go ahead. And when the playoffs came around, he was in the same place as Darnold. He was on the couch watching. And that's why I'm conflicted because the Jets, they're not a team that's one player away. They need to build. And Douglas is known for not really giving up draft capital because if you want to build and you want to retool in football, you got to do it through the draft. You got to collect draft picks. And he, if we trade Watson... I'm sorry, but the reality is I'm not one of those lunatics who is going to do the fantasy trade on Facebook. Like I see, uh, let's uh, let's trade for Watson. They're going to give Sam Darnold and a six-round pick, and they got him. It doesn't work that way. I know it's going to cost us a fortune. And uh, do we bring in a franchise quarterback giving up a lot of the draft capital that Douglas worked so hard to collect and not be able to put tools around him? That's And, and I'm so conflicted because obviously a, a fan of me is like, wow. When are you ever going to get a chance? This is basically Trevor Lawrence. Sa- uh, same college. But it's Trevor Lawrence already proven in the it's, NFL. It's Trevor no, Lawrence it's- with NFL experience who, who can get it done in the NFL. Absolutely. But the fear in me is like he he just proved having a remarkable season on paper that if you don't have a team, all those stats are for nothing. All those stats are to get you to the Pro Bowl, to get you on Sports Center, but you're still watching the playoffs at home. So do we take the longer do we take the longer road? Do we go through the draft, keep that draft capital that we accumulated and and make this a two to three year rebuild versus hoping that uh, giving up uh, basically King's ransom for Watson, hopefully improving to eight, nine wins this season and hoping that by the following season we are a legit playoff team. Vorty, Vorty, Vorty. Please hit me. First of all, <laughs> first of all, Watson had an incredible year because he had no team around him. He he was what Darnold should have been, and he got a team to four wins when with injuries and guys gone and a defense that I mean the, the, the Texans blew a lot of big leads. I mean he can't play defense. He had a monster year. All the people who say, well, Darnold had nobody around him. If he had anybody to throw to, he could be good. Had a similar situation to Watson and was fucking nuts. Nine touchdowns, 72 interceptions with a nine quarterback rating, 33rd in the league. So if you took Watson and put him on the Jets, even with Adam Gase and his thing there, and his and his staff there, I think the Jets are probably six and ten or seven and nine. I really do. Because those games that they, they would have if if you put him in the same situation against New England, the Jets probably win that game. They probably win a couple of these other games. They're in some of these other games. So that's number one. Now the other part of it is that draft capital thing. It's getting old, not from you, but from other people who are like, oh, we 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 can't do a Herschel Walker trade. This is not a Herschel Walker trade. First Agreed. of all, Agreed. 
Yeah, first of all, they got two picks in the first round in each of the next two years. So even if it has to be the number two pick, they still have the other pick in the first round. You give up the second pick in the round next year, you still have the other pick. So you still have first round picks, and then you probably need a third round pick. So a third first round pick. So somewhere in the next couple of years, they're going to be without a first round pick. But by then, you will have had two picks, two first round picks. In, in those two years and the quarterback and cap room and you still have a bunch of picks in other rounds. They have like 19 picks in the next two years. They, you know, this, this is one of the reasons you acquire draft capitals, not, you know, honestly, I mean, you can draft 19 guys in two years if you want, but how many of them are really going to make it? I mean, eight, if you really, really draft well, and then you got a bunch of special teams guys at, at any point, wouldn't you rather have 16 draft picks instead and have the franchise quarterback in there? You know, my concern is the salary cap, because that's the one thing is, you know, I have been I have really been like almost lecturing people on you can't build with unless the quarterback is in the first four years and then you got to figure out what to do. And then when you get to that fourth year, you got to figure out who to let go. I'm kind of veering on that because this guy is already established. You don't have to take a chance with the Zach Wilson's and the Justin Fields of the world. He's already established and yes, he will cost money, but you can probably, he's only, first of all, he's only 15 million this year, right? Darnold is nine. So you're going to tell me that on the same team, that Deshaun Watson is not worth six million dollars more than 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 uh, than Sam Darnold. Then we hang up this podcast now and never do one again. Number one, he's worth twice the money that Darnold's making. Right. Like times. That's yeah. not a good conversation. Exactly. So that's this year. This year he's only owed fifteen million. So right off the bat, it's not a cap problem. Next year and the year after, now you're talking like thirty-five something million and thirty-eight million. I forget what the exact numbers are, but the next two years are the ones where it gets a little hectic. But the Jets can probably restructure that and extend him out. And it's and unlike bringing in a thirty-two-year-old guy here, when you do that, and at the end of the deal you're stuck with the money and a thirty-eight-year-old guy who can't play anymore. You know, if you restructure this and and backload this thing for him, you might have Watson when he's 31 and still super productive with that money. I mean, of course, he's probably going to restructure and, and re-sign an extension at some point, but whatever. But for the next couple of years, it's easy enough to give him $15 million this year and and then restructure his deal so it doesn't hurt as much if you need to. You may not need to. If he uses those draft picks well and guys are underpaid because they're rookies, you you can afford to overpay the quarterback during those years, and then you restructure when you need to. So I am not buying into that whole we can't we can't trade all these draft picks for him because basically I know it's it's kind of apples and oranges, but it's not. Is you're essentially saying, all right, well. We, we, we're going to trade Jamal Adams and a number one pick for Deshaun Watson, which I would do every single day because we get take the two picks we got for him, even if they're not technically Seattle's picks. It's still a first-round pick. So two picks plus another first-round pick, and you get a, a franchise quarterback in here. I am all for that all day long, but I don't want to give up more than three first-round picks. And if we're giving up like second and third somewhere, then I want to pick back two. So that's where I draw the line. Three first-round picks should be should be enough, but it's not too much in my mind. That that is that is kind of the sweet spot, and I would do that in a heartbeat. If it's three first round picks, the way you broke it down, I'm leaning towards doing the deal because the way I look at it is exactly how you broke it down. Again, we see the game very similarly. Um, the, the next two years, we're still gonna ha- we're still gonna have a first round pick, and in the third year, if this if he's the guy that you and me believe he is. We're really talking about a pick that's going to be in early to mid-20s. We're not talking a top 10 pick, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. So um, so on that front, yes. And the other reason why I'm leaning towards doing the deal is his second preferred destination is Miami Dolphins. 
And if he ends up in our division, along with the Buffalo situation, who have a solid quarterback, I'm gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna put a bullet in my head. To be stuck with two of the top quarterbacks in the AFC who are both in their early to mid twenties for the next ten years, we're basically talking Tom Brady tormenting us for the next fifteen years. Just as he left the division, we now have two of the top quarterbacks in the AFC joining AFC East to fuck with the Jets. So if that's the other option, no. Give up whatever the fuck you have to just bring him into the Jets green. Right. Play a little defense. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, so yes, if uh, as conflicted as I am, if it's within reason, if it's not a Ricky Williams type trade, and I don't think we're ever going to see a trade like that in yeah. our lifetime, then yes, yes, I am slightly leaning towards making it happen. But again, let's see how it works out. Because, uh, let's see what he actually costs. Well, here's the other thing that I hear people saying, and I have to say, I, I never get political or or socialist like social um go social issues on this show. But I, there there can be no other explanation. Is they're already starting in with the oh I don't know he's he's complaining he's a diva. But those same people, if we could get Aaron Rodgers at 25 years old, would be all over it because Aaron Rodgers would not be a diva. And I'm telling you, you don't have to believe me if you don't want. I know you'll probably agree to an extent, but but you'll have you'll have an opposing view because you know we usually. We usually talk this stuff out. I'm telling you, if the Sean Watson was white and his name was Tom Watson, people would be fucking. They would be. They would be like selling their kids to get him here. I I truly believe that the fact that he is black has something to do with it, and and he's viewed as a as a complaining diva because of it. And I don't care who disagrees with me. I've seen this enough times where black people who speak up in the league are are complaining, whining divas, and the white people are considered like you know uh, you know they're 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 gamers who who have heart you know so so that that's the other thing i'm hearing going around is we don't need another diva here with a bad attitude problem and that's bullshit that might be the stupidest complaint about watson that i've ever heard and i haven't heard that but if that is the complaint about him that person needs to shut their mouth because the guy is actually known as the cream of top of the food chain as far as class goes what he the work he does off the field i don't know if it's black white green brown whatever the hell you want to say I just think he's a modern athlete, whether it's you're white, whether you're black, unfortunately, or whether fortunately, whatever, the modern athlete has the power in today's game, and he's completely fed up with the current situation to demand a trade. Uh, He's not the first to do it. He's far from the last to do it. I think it has nothing to do with being a diva. He's just a guy who got fed up in his situation, and he wants a fresh start. There is not a single person in the locker room who has called him a bad presence in the locker room. He... Every, everything that I read about him, the guy does work in the community. The guy is the leader and loved and respected on the team. So I don't want to hear any of that diva bullshit. He's just, that's what a modern athlete is in today's game. If they get fed up with the situation, they'll ask for a trade. And more likely than not, they are going to get it. So no, no yeah. I don't buy any of that diva bullshit at all. It's been going around. You'll hear people saying, oh, he's complaining and he's doing this and he's doing that. And then the diva word gets thrown in there. And that's bullshit because those same people will will never even mention that Aaron Rodgers is probably the biggest diva in the NFL. The guy doesn't even talk to his family. He's he's chased Mike McCarthy out of town. He's he's made receivers, you know, like want to get the hell out of there. He he's the biggest jack off on the fucking planet, but he's considered one of the best quarterbacks that ever lived. And, uh, you know, and, and look, I've already stated why I won't I won't beat that point. To death because I don't want to make this show about that. But that, that I agree with you on that sixty billion percent that he's not a diva. He's he's just 
he's fed up and pissed off and and I don't give a fuck. I, if, if he comes in here and he can lead my team to 12 and four records and, and can compete for the division and, and whatever else and be that quarterback I've been talking about all year, then then get him in here and, and keep him happy. That's all. And since when are athletes no longer allowed to be human beings? Why is he not allowed to be upset with the current situation, voice that opinion? Whether you agree or disagree with him, that doesn't make him a diva. That makes him a human being who just, he doesn't like the situation he's currently in. He voiced it, he expressed it, and he wants out. Well, I also never saw Watson actually come out and say these things himself. Like some of these other athletes will actually come on social media and say this stuff. This is all sources say stuff. Yep. And, and I'm not saying it's not true. Obviously it is. But Watson's not the one out there blasting around on social media. Like um, I can't remember who it is. A recent a recent example of someone who was uh, like Odell Beckham, guys like that. They live on, on, on social media. I haven't seen a single post from him. Yeah, I mean, people go crazy when he likes a post, you know, like uh, Alan Robbins, uh, not Alan Robbins. Richard Sherman said uh, Deshaun Watson should go to New York, and, and Deshaun Watson liked it, and people went, went freaking nuts. Oh, my God, this is great. He liked it. That's as much as I've seen him do. I haven't seen him post anything and talk about Excellent how bad point. the organization is. Or, yeah, I mean, Excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah, he's, he's kind of just a – I'm sure there's things going on behind the scenes, but, yeah, he has not made himself the center of the story by – by his own admission, by his own mouth. So that's something you got to respect. He's uh, he's doing what he has to do behind the scenes. But like you said, he's not blasting the organization on Twitter and putting it out to the world to see. And there's no doubt that this stuff is true. It wouldn't have this much legs to it if it wasn't true. But that's besides the point. I mean, he's not the one being a wise ass and, and, and adding fuel to the fire. If he was, then I would probably say like, all right, I don't know if I want that guy in here. But he's, he hasn't said anything publicly that I know that I'm aware of. Now, let me ask you, getting back to our head coach, uh, Saleh. If he is the guy that you think and hope he is, give me a two-year projection for the Jets. If uh, Again, I know it's uh, way, way too early. If we haven't had the draft yet, we haven't had free agency, you're hoping that they get the right guys in the draft. Watson might be a Jet. Darnold might be under center. But if he's the coach that you think and you and me believe and hope that he is, what do you see as the Jets' viable win-loss record next season and, more importantly, the year after? Um, all right. Well, I'm, I will make a correlation to Parcells, not because they're the same type of coach, but because the difference between a shit-ass coach who doesn't motivate his players and a guy who comes in here and brings in good players and motivates them can be you know, can be a winning record versus one in 15. So it could be a similar type thing. Now, I think the Jets probably have less talent than they did in 97. So... But at the same time, I don't think the Jets have as little talent as they played this year. I blame so much of that on Adam Gase and game and game planning and schemes and everything else because he was truly atrocious at that stuff. So I think if you had a decent coach in here with the exact same team this year, the Jets probably win four or five games. You know, they're still a terrible team, but they probably win four or five games. Some of those winnable games w- could could have been won, you know. So let's say they, they win four. So that's double their win total. And that's and that's and it is what it is. Now, bring in a coach in here who can motivate these players and another year of drafts and free and and well-signed free agents. And I won't even I'll assume that Watson's not coming here, okay? So, depending whether it's a rookie or whatever, I think the Jets can get to, you know, 500 next year. Maybe 7 and 9, 6 and 10 at worst. They're going to win some games. So, if you have a, a a and we have seen in the NFL that a a good coach who can motivate players and game plan correctly can make the difference in a several wins. It's not it's not a one win thing several wins it can make a huge difference so i i see no reason that if he is the coach we think he is and he brings in the right players the jets can't be a minimum of six and ten and they can get to the eight and eight nine and seven area 
and um, you know with, with a couple of you know sneak a couple of wins in there. This following year, if that does happen, then I would expect them to start competing for a, um, a, either a division title or a playoff spot. You know, division title might be tough. You might have Buffalo going 12 and four for the next few years. So I don't think the Jets will get to 12 and four in two years, but the Jets could certainly compete for the sixth or seventh wild card spot within two years. And that's compete for. I'm not saying they're, they're a lock to get in. I am not saying that, you know, Buffalo's locked up division and locked up the division and the Jets really only have the shot at the wild card, but they're a shoe and not at all. I'm saying they have a shot to compete for the wild card in two years. So that's that's basically my projection. If he's as good a coach as we think he is and turns out to be what we want. We see it the same way. To me, if he's the guy that I hope okay, and believe right. he is, next season, worst case scenario is 6-10, and 10, simply because I also, like you, don't believe the Jets are as bad as the record showed. There was talent. There was just, to me, it was a horrendous lack of coaching, leadership, and direction. And that's something a good and talented head coach can fix in one off season. So in worst case scenario, I believe the Jets are a six-win team this season. And if uh, everything turns right, seven and nine. And if he goes eight and eight, good Lord, sign him up to a 10-year extension. In his second season, I borderline expect us to get that last or ne- uh, six or seventh wild card, uh, nine and seven, potentially ten and six. If he is the guy that we think he is, and uh, we draft well and develop well, which I do have faith in Douglas, uh, by the skin of their teeth, I expect them to scrape that last playoff spot in their second season. Whether it takes ten wins or maybe you sneak in with nine. But that's exactly how I see it as well. It's a two-year project to get to the playoffs with the first year showing us a lot of positive improvements. I agree. And I'm looking at the 2020 schedule. Let's, let's go through it real quick. First game against Buffalo, the Jets lost by 10, but they, they would never win that game. So that's a loss. 49ers got cream. That was a loss. Colts was a loss. Broncos, they would have beat the Broncos with a good coach because Gase had the lead in that game and, and fagged out like a big pussy and didn't go for it on that there was down. no excuse to lose that game especially yep. the Travis yep. yep yep so right the third string quarterback who never played before so that's a win okay Cardinals what they they never were in the game Car- Dolphins never were in the game but you, you never know what a quarterback and a coach but what, let's just say the second Bills game the, the the Bills kicked six field goals and the Jets had the lead in that game you know you maybe maybe they could squeak that game out that's right before Buffalo got super hot so all right let, let's say no but uh, you know that's a maybe Chiefs they're not going to beat first Patriots game they definitely would have won that game with a decent coach I mean they were they were up 10 with three Agreed. minutes left in the game yeah the Chargers game the Jets you know that was tough you know if they game plan correctly Flacco doesn't throw that that sick that pick six early in the game that's a different and game and they almost and came I back also, and won anyway and I also yeah. believe a good coach does make it difficult for a rookie quarterback uh, the, the yes. Jets did not do so but uh, with him I'll at least give it a strong maybe okay so th- so that's a win and 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 uh sorry two wins and two maybes we're already ahead of where we were in the the reality all right the raiders if if craig williams didn't freaking try and spite adam gaze they win that game anyway that's our game absolutely right they they, they, seattle was 40 to 3 i don't think any coach would have made a difference there (laughs) Uh, rams and and browns are we giving are we keeping win well browns we're going to keep a win because it was covid the coach wouldn't have changed that so that's already three wins that's already four wins and two maybes the Rams, are we going to give the Jets credit for that one? Or are we going to say bizarre world? Maybe maybe something goes wrong there and the Rams actually are motivated to play because they have the Jets have a decent well, coach. No, I, I believe that on top of the wins we collected this season, the point of this little exercise we're doing is to see what other wins we could have collected to the games we somehow managed to win okay. this season. So I'm, I'm giving them the two wins they earned this season. 
Okay, so that's so that right there is what did I say? That's six wins and two maybes, and then the last Patriots game where they were up fourteen seven in the third quarter. Do we want to say they could have won that game with a good coach? Let's not get crazy. Let's say no. Okay. But that's still okay. we're we're six hovering at ten. six wins. You're hovering six at six and even with this team that everybody says is completely talentless, is talentless, and you conceivably could have found two more wins in there with some of these games that weren't as uh, you know that weren't as as bad as we thought. So the Jets conceivably, with a decent coach this year, a good coach, not a decent, but a good coach, could have been could have been as much as eight and eight this year. I mean, it's a stretch, but it is possible. It's not out of the realm. It's not like we're trying to say they should have won the Seattle game if they had a good coach. We're being realistic, so. You're right. This guy could make a difference. And then you bring in another year of free agents and 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 these kids now who played this year and, and, and see the difference with a coach who comes in and can communicate and motivate and lead them. I mean, it's, this is this is night and day. So now I'm starting to think they win the division next year, man. The hell with I mean, listen, this guy is giving us reason for optimism, and that's something we haven't had in a long time. So that's all I can ask for at this point. And the... If if he's coming in and taking over a six and ten team versus a two and fourteen disaster, then we're talking about eight and eight, nine and seven, hopefully for this upcoming season versus kind of rebuilding some confidence and the eight and eight would be a terrific achievement. If he's taking over a six and ten team, you're hoping that a new coach comes in with at least a three game improvement. That's already an above five hundred team. So yeah, yeah. I uh, let's look at the Jets' twenty twenty one opponents. We can go through that real quick. We please, obviously don't know please. when they're playing them yet. Okay, obviously it is the, the six division game. So let's let's say a split with Miami, lose both to Buffalo, a split with New England. Exactly how I saw it. Okay. Oh my God, we, we're gonna get married. One day. <laughs> so that's two and four. All right, Jacksonville. They're gonna beat Jacksonville. So that's three and uh, three and four. The Tennessee, they probably lose. New Orleans, I don't know, man. Without Drew Brees, but okay. So let's say let's just say it's th- it's three and six right now. Tampa Bay, three and seven. Cincinnati, four and seven. Those those no oh, wait. Okay, yeah, okay. So four and seven, and then they're at Houston. <laughs> that should be interesting if they have the Sean Watson. So um, they could probably beat him even with the Sean Watson if I they agree. you know depending, depending. So so let's just have fun and call it four and seven. At Indy. Who's their quarterback? I don't even know who their quarterback's going to be. Nobody Five knows. and that seven. He might be rebuilding themselves. Yep. Yeah. At Denver, six and seven. I mean, all right. So it's at Denver, at Atlanta, at Carol, at Carolina. The Jets, the Jets could easily win six to seven games next year, and and could do even more depending on what their team looks like. So already, this coach could. You know, we, we've already determined that in our opinions, the Jets could have won six games this year, and. If you want to look for improvement next year, there's no reason they can't get to eight. And the schedule seems to allow for it. I mean, all the teams that looked really tough a, a couple of weeks ago are not as tough now with Watson may, is probably not going to be in Houston and Breeze is not going to be in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, who knows what's going to be going on in Miami. And and I want to stress, if anybody is listening and laughing at us right now, look at them penciling in wins. We are not penciling in wins. We're talking about strictly if this guy is who we hope and believe he is. He might turn out to be the next Adam Gase. Talk is nothing. Talk is cheap. He still has to go out there and show us he can run a team. He can have a game plan. He can put a smart, disciplined team out there. But So we're not talking about wins and losses as far as penciling it in. We're strictly talking about if he is the guy that we hope and believe that the signs are there that's the difference that he's going to make. Uh, that those are, those suddenly become winnable games, not like oh that's it. Just because he had a good press conference, um, you can mark those down as wins. So I kind of want to oh, stress yeah. that that that's a distinction. We're talking about 
if the guy is who we hope and need him to be. Don't forget, we're basing this just on a coach. We have no idea who they're going to draft. We have no idea whether they get Watson. We have no idea whether they keep Donald. There's a lot of things at play here. I mean, the Jets have a, a ton of options in the season. We have no idea what this team's going to look like in terms of game. None at all. All right, man. You have anything else you want to talk about? Anything else on your list? Yeah, that's all I have. That's pretty much all I have as well. All right, man. Have a great weekend. We will catch up during the week. Go Jets. We'll be right back.